Hi guys, welcome back to another episode of State of Us. I'm Alana. It is just going to be me today. Lauren is already had her mini episode a few weeks back, and this is just mine. If you tuned into our last episode, if you've not, we talked about parenting styles and how to parent based on the perspective of both Lauren, who is not a parent, and if you heard the last episode, I am going to be a parent pretty soon. Um, but please tune into that episode, but I just wanted to dig into some stuff going on in my life, some things I've learned this year, some things I'm trying to work through personally and get better at, um, disappointments, all of that stuff, um, and then obviously talk to you guys about being pregnant. Um, it, I don't think this will be super long, it'll be about 30 to 45 minutes in total, but um, sit back, I hope you guys enjoy it wherever it finds you, and at the very least, it provokes you to think and ask questions of yourself and to deepen your relationship with others. But I can just jump right in. I'm sitting on my couch right now, enjoying the last bit of coffee this morning. I've been up since six on a Sunday at that. Um, and I just streamed um, church service this morning. I didn't physically go. Um, I was not feeling leaving, um, getting dressed and leaving the house that early not that early it's not early but i was like i've been up since six my back's been hurting since five like i was not in the mood to like go and get dressed but i did want to have service so i streamed service and that wrapped a little bit ago but just sitting on the couch enjoying the last bit of, bit of my coffee but um i guess i can start with like where i am right now <laughs> i am 26 i think i have told people this before like close friends, uh, I feel like 26 has been the hardest year of my life so far. Um, I think it's a lot of figuring out like what I like and what I don't like and what I'm good at and what I'm not good at and not allowing those things to be a reflection of my self-worth and how I see myself. Um, I had a lot of imposter syndrome from like childhood that I haven't really dealt with and that I think came to a head shortly after I turned 26. Um, it's not been a fun year um, for me on multiple levels, but it's been a year that has I have been forced to change. I've been forced to have conversations. I've been forced to have to be a bit more vulnerable, which is very hard for me. And I think it's hard for me to be vulnerable because I've been so in the past and I've had people throw it back in my face or use it against me, weaponize it against me. Um, so I have a struggle with letting people in. I struggle with allowing people to do things for me. I struggle with being honest about how I feel because I want to keep the peace and I don't ever want to be seen as somebody people have to watch out for or look like, you know, like helpless and meek. I don't want to be seen as that. Hold on, y'all. It's hot. Let me turn on this air. But I just never want it to be seen as that. And, and uh, it, it prevented me from actually connecting with people and allowing people into my space in the way I should be. So I can sort of go through like the biggest lessons I've learned through 26. The first one is like being for me, um, really acknowledging my feelings and acknowledging how I feel instead of stuffing it down and being like, you know what, we're going to get through it. I sort of come from a family of people who like all of us, no matter where you're from, they're, the reason why you're here is because your family persevered, right? Like, they survived, even the worst of times. So it's literally survival of the fittest. Like, all of us who were here, somehow, some way, 
have people that persevered and it may have not been in the healthiest way and it may have been but all that to say I sort of come from a family of people who are like cry about it now but you're you know next day two days later it's time to move on it's time to like what's the plan what do you do where do you go from here um and I think that has affected how I deal with my emotions and that like I don't allow myself to stew with my emotions but I also on the opposite end of the pendulum I think sometimes we can go from one version of something that's super unhealthy to something that's also super unhealthy but it's on the opposite end of the spectrum um I was not allowing myself to actually feel what I was feeling I would just be like it's whatever just gotta get through it persevere and move on and that impacted me especially at work um I was super duper stressed and I was running on adrenaline and like cortisol like which are stress hormones and fight or flight responses um and I'd been running since like July of last year um with work uh and I didn't realize how much it impacted my sense of self and how my I've become so anxiety like ridden with anxious thoughts so I don't want to say anxiety I've not been diagnosed with something like that um so I don't want to dilute that diagnosis and that um reality for many people but I but I was anxious all the time um and I still feel a lot of anxiety or anxious thoughts, excuse me, around work. Um, so I think that's one thing is allowing myself to feel how I feel. The second thing is change is okay. And it doesn't mean I failed if I have decided something is no longer for me or that something is time to change something. Again, this is tied to work. And this is also tied to what I may think I want to do, you know, in the future for my career or a side project. And I felt for a long time, like, if this isn't what I'm supposed to be doing, then, or, I, I think, like, baking it down bare bones to the simplest, like, like, the molecular level, I struggle very deeply with feeling as if I have to succeed in order, or be great at everything, or get some type of accolade or degree that's really respected for people to really respect me or to me show that I have accomplished something or to make others proud. And I really wasn't happy within myself, but I was more so concerned with people's perception of me. Um, so in my mind, if I went from this type of job to that type of job, that means that I failed at that other job. If I decided I didn't want to go to law school, which is something I personally sitting here right now, I the answer is no for a multitude of reasons. <laughs> And, the, and I'm glad it's no, because it's it's giving me time to really, it wasn't the test, it wasn't studying. Like, that was fine. I was getting the test down. Like, that was perfectly fine. It was the understanding of what, I could not lay my fingers precisely on why I wanted to go to law school. I could not give a succinct answer to why. And I had to unpack why that was. And then secondly, I had to really sit and think about and listen to, you know, different YouTube videos and talking to some people in my office who are lawyers and just, you know, having a one-on-one -on -one conversation, but also hearing them speak about being in the legal field for 5, 10, 15 plus years. And nobody sounds happy. Like, I know happiness is fleeting, but no one sounds content. That's what I'm saying. And the amount of hours you have to work and all of this stuff. I just... 
I'm unpacking what I'm thinking, like I'm undoing the training of what it looks like to be successful as a young woman, specifically a young woman of color in the professional world. And I refuse to be miserable to make other people money, get them awards and just have a quick pat on the back. Like, like that false sense of, that false sense of accomplishment, but also that sense of having it tethered to your self-worth. And I think that's something I'm trying to unpack. That was a very long-winded second point. But it's working through how I view myself and really listening to myself in terms of what my skill set is, where I'm strong, where I have areas to improve. And guys, it's really okay to just not be good at something. It's okay to not be good at something and not improve. It's be like, it, it, like everybody's not good at something. It's okay. Um... And working through that perfectionist. I think the last thing went really big to, I'll add another point, is being honest and vulnerable with people, which I've talked about before, and being in community. Um, I felt like, I think what it was is like, oh, I'm in my early 20s. I'm trying to figure everything out. I've got to fit, have the facade that I have everything figured out. And so I couldn't be honest with people without my friends. And I was like going through stuff because I'm like, I don't want people to think, that I don't have things figured out. And that ends up hurting me in the long run and dishonoring myself and not honoring my friends as well and like allowing them to be there for me as well as my loved ones and like my family. Um, and then I think my last and final point was like what made 26 really hard is I've really had to unpack the fact that I'm going to make decisions that people aren't gonna always agree with. I'm somebody who is trying to be a recovering people pleaser and it is okay if somebody's not happy with your decision. It is okay if someone's not happy with what you decided to do. Um, you, you're not ice cream. Like, I, I don't remember what the actual saying is, but basically you're not ice cream. You cannot make everybody happy. Nobody, there's like very few people that don't like ice cream. Like, you cannot make everybody happy all the time. And there's this thin line that I'm trying to figure out between making sure that you, like, being a loving person also means you consider those who are in close proximity to you and in community with you and not wanting to hurt them considering their emotions and feelings but like there's a thin line between that and completely disregarding your own emotions your own feelings your own needs and wants and I felt like I was sort of like always so concerned with others and how they perceived me and how I could make sure that the peace was being kept and that everyone was happy and pleased that I was following up my own emotions and how I felt and what I was thinking and like biting my tongue. And that was actually dishonoring to me. I want to be very clear. All these things are things I'm so very much so working on. But I think turning 26 and then going through what I was going through like your late 20s entering into your late 20s and trying to figure out life and knowing who you are a bit more um and then entering into a relationship with someone that you know I'd met him and we were just having fun we were hanging out going on dates like it was all it was and then it got serious towards um the end of last year and then I found I was pregnant in March. So it was a lot. Um, all of that is to say like moving into the part of pregnancy. 
Um, my child was not planned. Um, it's something I've talked about before and it's something I want to revisit and that I want to make myself abundantly clear. I don't shame women who've had unplanned pregnancies. I think it's, it's not uncommon. It's really not. Should it be just because something is common doesn't mean it's normal. It does not make, just because something is common does not make it normal. Right. That's what I'm trying to say. Would I have chosen this for myself if, like, you gave me options? No. No. But I have to take responsibility for, like, the action that I've taken. Um, and I'm a grown adult. I know how babies are made. Um, very honestly, I'm a grown adult who tracks her period. Um, and I know when I'm ovulating and when I'm not. Not for the sake of, like, I'm not, for clarity's sake. Like, I am not on birth control. I've not been on birth control, like, years and so I tracked my period just to know when I would be, um, like when my window was for um, my cycle starting. And most apps will also show you as they get the data and understand your body a bit more, especially if you're plugging in your temperatures every day, um, et cetera. But as they start to log data on your mood and your behavior and your recurring start of your cycle, it gets even better. And it becomes very precise into like a two or three day window of when you're cycle can start and becomes even more precise as to when you're ovulation, when you're ovulating. So all that to say, I knew when my ovulation window was and when it was not. Um, and I made the decision to have unprotected sex. Um, and my partner and I had unprotected sex. And that is how I am now about six months pregnant with my son. Um, and all that to say, I've had to work through a personal process of forgiving myself because it's not what I wanted for my life. Um, it's not what I wanted for my firstborn. I don't know. It's not what I want for any of my children. But I think sometimes it's so easy to get caught up in what you could have done that you actually don't live in the present of like, okay, this is what it is. What can I do about it now? And I don't want to take shame in with the rest of my pregnancy or regret, right? Like, I think it's okay for us sometimes to just acknowledge those feelings, sit in them for a bit, and then it's time to move on. So, I want to clarify, like, if I've ever made anyone feel ashamed on this podcast, you know, for having a child out of wedlock, I apologize. It is, I will still not change my stance on that. It's probably not the best, it's not the best decision. And it's not the best way about it. And it's not something you should repeat. Is um, That is something I stand strongly on. And I won't change my mind on that. But if it's happened, it's happened. All you can do is be the best mother that you can to your child. Um, all you can do is be wise with your finances and be... I mean, even more wise with your finances, um, get involved in community and just have that accountability and that structure around for you and your child. Um, but I'm, I think I've reached a point where I was not enjoying my pregnancy for the first trimester because I was just scared of telling everybody around me I was pregnant. I was scared I was going to miscarry because I was bleeding at some points. Um, and then I was just really, really not feeling my best because... Obviously, as you start the beginning of your pregnancy, your body has all these hormones that are just surging to sustain the pregnancy. And some of those hormones can make you really nauseous and very tired. 
So I was just tired. I was taking calls on my days at home from bed. And it was just, it was a very lonely three months. Um, I will say that. Um, and that it was lonely because I decided to make it that way, right? Um, I know I have people who love me and who understand and who, you know, were hurt that I didn't tell them early enough and wanted to understand why. And I've had those conversations and I've heard them because they deserve to be heard. It's not, I think one of the things I've learned, not learned, I've always done this, but like seeing it in action, especially with our generation, we've swung the pendulum so far into like being so like caring about others and self-sacrificing to where we're almost too selfish. And um, your decisions impact the people around you to some degree. Doesn't mean you should live your life for others, but your decisions will always still impact people around you. Um, what happens to you impacts others around you. Um, and so just being mindful of how we make decisions we should still want to honor ourselves and do what's best for ourselves. So we also still, to some degree, need to consider others. Um, but it was a lonely first trimester. I will not lie. It is not one I want to um, relive. Um, and I have a lot of guilt of um, not being very happy and how that emotionally has impacted my child or how he feels. Um and then just anxiety in general and being really anxious about, oh my gosh, like constantly rejiggering my budget, constantly um, being concerned about money, even though like I have, I have quite a bit of money in my savings. I am just trying to be as smart as possible. And I have to remind myself like I'm 26, I'm not 40. <laughs> like I'm not gonna have a savings account a 40 year old's gonna have. I've only been in the professional working world three and a half, four years full-time like that like I'm gonna have some money but you know could I have been a little bit better yes but how do am I broke absolutely not but I think my thing is like when you become a mom I consider myself a mom already without him being present like physically outside of me I just I worry like I everything has to be ready and perfect for him to be here because I just want everything to be perfect He's my little angel and I want him to be good um, and have everything that he needs. And I want to be the best mom. And I feel like those ideas of perfection come back in here. And I've been told so many times by my doctor and my doula and my mom that like you can't be like you've got to kiss perfection goodbye when it comes to motherhood because you're constantly going to be learning and changing and what worked six months ago may not work now and like you like perfection does not exist for anyone but especially in being a parent it doesn't um and just giving myself grace to figure things out giving myself grace to know hey you know you don't have to compare yourself to others who are mothers or people who you know have kids and have a like a home and they're not in an apartment or all of these things and that reminding myself that things take time. Just because something happens maybe slightly later for you in life. I think one of my biggest stresses right now is like, I ideally went home when I had a child. Obviously, that's not the case now. But instead of stressing about it, be grateful for what I do have and plan to have a home down the line in the next few years. And that's completely doable and completely feasible. But I just... 
this pressure that I put on myself to have everything figured out all at once has been really, really obvious as of late. But I say all that to say, I think 26 and having and getting pregnant have revealed to me the areas of myself that I needed to work on and really see. So I could be best for myself, better for myself and then better for my friends and my family and my loved ones and also the best version of myself that I could be for my child. Um, and I just wanted to be honest about sort of like where I was feeling in life and where I am. Um, I finally sort of like had the courage to talk to my supervisor about some stuff at work and just being really honest that I do, I want to explore different areas. I don't want to be in the same area. I've been working in social media since I have graduated college and I have been at this job four years this upcoming spring and I have been doing the exact same, like different brands, but like exact same role. I'm just, I'm ready for something different and that's really what it is. I'm ready for something different and I'm ready for something that will allow a bit more flexibility and understanding for me in terms of stepping into the role of mother. Um, it is so wild that I am, like, it. it's just wild to me that I am growing somebody. That blows my mind every single day. That my, like, our bodies know how to naturally just grow a human being. Like, that is uh, divinely coded in our DNA by God. That is just, it was wild to me. Um, but I, I, I think like some things needed to have changed in my life that I wouldn't have changed myself and being this age and then becoming pregnant, things just like, things just had to change. And like, it, it was going to change whether I wanted to or not. Um, so I'm grateful for that. I think what I'm most nervous for being a mom is... I am nervous for birth, but not in the traditional way, like in, in terms of pain. Maybe that may come later, but I'm nervous for birth in like advocating for myself. I'm someone who doesn't do a really good job of advocating for myself. I like to keep the peace and I'm sort of a people pleaser. And having, being pregnant has sort of revealed to me that I can't do that anymore because I have someone else to advocate for. Um, and so I'm just, I'm hoping that I can step into the ability to have confidence in my no and have confidence in my yes and not be afraid to tell somebody to literally leave me alone. <laughs> um, but I will encourage anyone who's listening to this that is pregnant, especially if you're a woman of color, I would highly encourage you to get a doula. Um, they are great advocacy partners the key word being partners, you are still the primary advocate for yourself as well as your doula. And if you have a partner, family member that you trust them, but you are the ultimate advocate for yourself because you have autonomy over your body. Um, but I would highly suggest a doula because they have, many of them are former nurses and they have a wealth of knowledge in the health and wellness space, specifically in obstetrics care and labor and delivery. Um, and just know that however you give birth, C-section, not, Pitocin, no, or yes, induction, yes, no, refusal to land your back on the stirrups, yes, no, whatever it is, birth center, home birth, hospital birth, free birth. Y'all free birth women are amazing. I couldn't do it. 
I couldn't do it. I'd be too afraid to free birth. Like, just me and my partner, like, me and my man, no, that would scare the absolute daylights out of me. But I admire women who have the absolute confidence in themselves and the gumption to do that. What I'm saying here is however you choose to give birth is how you choose to You need to be comfortable, first and foremost, safe, secondly, in, in a safe, welcoming environment, and thirdly, you need the informed consent, meaning that your doctors, your nurses need to tell you the context of any medication they're giving you, any procedure, any intervention, your midwife, your doula, like everybody needs to be honest and upfront. If that is all, if that's at a hospital, if that's at a birth center, if that's at home, you feel like check, 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 and, and like you have emergency equipment as well as point number four, I like, I'm for it. However you choose to give birth, I'm for. Like, it's not like my opinion matters, but there's a lot of shame in the mothering community around how people give birth. Like, everybody should um, have an induction if you reach 40 weeks and your baby's not here. Your, your due date is an estimation. It is not a promise. Or on the other side, oh, you have Pitocin and Epidural? You're a horrible mother. Like, I'm in the middle. Like, I want a natural birth. That is my preference. But I don't know until I get in there, right? And I think that's something else I'm really, like, nervous about. It's, like, the mom shaming. So I'm very trying to be very selective of who I follow on social media around mom stuff, who I engage with, who I ask questions to, and I think most who I listen to on podcasts. But most importantly, I think I'm really trying to – there's this phrase of a podcast I like called Down to Birth. They are more on the home birth, natural homeopathic side um, – they really do call out some of the cascades of, cascade of interventions um, that are done to women that may cause complications, cause the exact complications that you're trying to prevent. But there's a phrase they use on this podcast that says, they say, listen to everyone and trust yourself. Or like, listen to everyone and trust your intuition. It's something along those lines. I'm so bad. I'm so sorry, Trisha. But it's one of the ladies on there. But essentially what she's saying is that you need to take the information in, you need to digest it, you need to synthesize it, but ultimately the decision lies with you. And so that's what I'm saying is like, I'm trying my best to not overconsume information and allow other people's convictions and opinions to become my own of how I choose to birth and what I choose to do in my labor plan and what I choose to do after he's born and all of that. And what he's going to eat when he starts eating solids. Is everything going to be organic or is everything going to be this or that? And I just feel like there's so much pressure to be like this perfect, curated, flawless mother who looks great, who takes care of her body, who takes care of her kid, who's doing well at work, who has something on the side that brings her passion and probably, preferably money. And like just be this perfect woman and there's not enough room to be an actual human being. And I feel like there's a lot of shaming in the mothering community on either side. It's like you can either choose to be a hot mess mom based on social media who only feeds, ever feeds her kids chicken nuggets and like ice cream and doesn't attempt to make home cooked meals because, or doesn't attempt to spend time with her kids. It's just like, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Like hot mess, laundry's never done, everything's a hot mess all the time. That's okay. Um, I sort of hate being a mom type vibes to the overly helicopter mom, super crunchy, super, super duper, just 
too much shaming women for being you know not buying organic or not doing this or not baby wearing or not breastfeeding like it's it's two completely different camps and it seems like everybody's insane and has chosen to be on those two camps instead of being normal and sort of be some probably where that's healthy in the middle and i think as a first time mom it's very easy to get caught up in that um dichotomy of oh <laughs> i've got to choose which side because if even if i do a sprinkling or smidget of what's on the other side then i all of a sudden i'm bad and i would just say this in social media in general their echo chambers are very easy easy to fall into um and sometimes we tend to do as women this desire to fit in um, overrides our common sense, overrides what is actually feasible for us and what's actually healthy for all, us as a unique individual in our familial unit. Um, and that's something I'm glad I'm noticing now. <laughs> but um, I feel like this is like the most or organized podcast episode. <laughs> I'm so sorry, you guys. But I just, I feel really good right now in the sense of... I'm acknowledging who I am. I'm acknowledging areas I need to improve and I'm acknowledging where I want to go in life. Um, and I'm working through it all slowly. Therapy is something I've said I wanted to start, but I've been too afraid to do. Um, and not because I don't think I could trust a therapist, but it's just one of those things of like, I don't like crying if I don't have to. Um, I feel like it's a big energy waste. Um, but, I'm hoping to start to see a therapist sometime next year and just sort of work through some self-esteem issues and then work through healthy work-life balance and work through some of my anxiousness about planning and everything being perfect and having to be here and here and here at this age and have this and this and this and just working on being a human being that plans and is dependable and is um a hard worker without exhausting herself um out and contributing to burnout because honestly i'm i'm in complete shock from a hormonal and um body standpoint that i was able to fall pregnant uh because i was in a complete state of just being anxious and I was, <laughs> was at work, I was drinking a lot, not like just events at work and then, you know, drinking in the evening because I was working in a deck and trying to get reporting done. And then, so I was, you know, regularly drinking, which is not like me. And then, um, again, stressed, anxious. And while I was eating regularly, it just, I'm just surprised that I was able to fall pregnant because I would assume that my cortisol levels were so high that my body was just prioritizing keeping me alive versus being able to make another life. Um, but I guess I can move into talking about my son. Um, but all that to say, it's also funny because research shows that if you're stressed, you're less likely to conceive a boy, you're more likely to conceive a girl. Um, but I don't know. I just, I remember having a dream a, a few days, a few weeks before I found out I was pregnant. And it was such a vivid dream. Like I remember it so well now. Um, 
and I was on a beach with a baby, like sitting on the shore. Like it was so clear. Like there was obviously the ocean. And I could hear the ocean and I could hear the wind and I could see everything. I felt like I literally felt the water on me. And I was sitting there with a baby and I was reading them a book and I could not figure out for the life of me whose baby it was. Um, and because it was not my nephew, <laughs> the baby, <laughs> my, if you don't know this, my sister and her boyfriend are both light skinned African Americans with hazel eyes, lighter brown hair. And that's how my nephew looks exactly that. He just turned four recently. But it wasn't my nephew because this was a baby, not a top, like a two, three, four year old. It's just like, and it wasn't any of my cousin's kids. It wasn't a friend's child because most of my friends do not have children. Um, and I could not figure out whose baby this was. And I remember just, like, it was so clear where I was what was going on and I just remember waking up from that dream and it felt like I was holding a baby when I woke up and I felt like it was the weirdest dream it's the most vivid dream I've had in a long time and two weeks later I found like I took a pregnancy test and found out I was pregnant so um sometimes there are premonitions <laughs> that you are with child um before you find out but that is how I found out if I had trusted my intuition and my gut, that would have been the sign that I was pregnant. But I thought it was just a weird dream, and I moved on with my weeks and went on vacation for a friend's birthday, drank none for her birthday, came back, and I just felt so tired once I came Like, I could not feel better after that vacation. I was so tired after that trip, and it was like a three-day trip. I took the following Monday off to rest after getting back that Sunday, and I just couldn't, I could not... I just, that week, I was so tired. I was crying. Uh, I couldn't figure out why I was crying. I was looking at my count, at the app, and I was like, I'm like 13 days out for my period. And what set it off for me to really, like, realize, even though I already innately knew, and I just, like, not ignored it, but didn't accept the dream as, like, the actual, hey, you're pregnant, um, I'd woken up one morning and I don't think men listen to this podcast so I'll say it you typically when you're as a lot of women experience like breast tenderness when they're um on their cycle but again I'm like 13 days out and so I'm just I woke up one morning and I rolled over and my chest felt like rocks and I was like what and I looked at my calendar I'm like okay I'm 10 days out like there's no way my breasts are starting to get sore 10 days out and that was weird. I went to work that day. I came back that afternoon because I was done with meetings in the office. I'd been there for a while after the meeting. So I was like, let me come home, take care of a few things and finish up some work before I have a gym that evening because I started seeing a trainer. And so I go to the bathroom and go pee. And I'm not someone who bleeds in between cycles. The only time that has ever happened to me was when I was on birth control. I've been off birth control since my junior year of college. So five plus years. And so... I went and I went to the bathroom and I realized that I was bleeding some and it wasn't the typical color of your cycle as in like the cranberry color, um, bright cranberry, cherry light color. Um, it was very like faint pink brown. 
And I was like, that's weird. And But it was not a stream. Like, it, it sounds so gross. I'm so sorry for me. So, um, literal. But, like, that's just how I found out I was pregnant. And I was like, that's weird. And so I went and I got a pregnancy test. I was like, this, I feel weird. So I took it the very next day. And it was a faint line. So I thought it was an evaporation line in which, like, so an evaporation line is basically a false positive. So I t took another test. I picked up some more tests. And I spent like eight sixty dollars on the test because I got the digital and the old school bad boys that are super cheap. And I just took multiple tests in like a twin, like a five minute window. I just laid all the tests out with a towel, paper towel, and I just left the bathroom and went about and did what I needed to do. And I came back, and every single one of them was positive. And I was like, how? <laughs> I'm so, so, like, I know how it's pregnant, but I'm like, I was just in complete and total shock. Um, and so I called my partner and I was like, hey, we need to talk. He's like, what's going on? And I was like, stressing. He was like, you're pregnant. And I'm like, yes, I am. And he was like, wait, are you serious? I'm like, yes, I am like with child. I have like, I have 10 pregnancy tests looking back at me that all stay positive from three different brands. So, like, there I am without a child, but now I am a child. Um, and so it took him a little while to, like, settle into that. Um, like, it took him, like, a day or two. Um, and he was very understanding and, like, loving. Like, he loves me. I know that. Um, and it's very clear in his actions of what he does and says for me. But it just took us both a while to be, like, what the heck? Um, so, <laughs> um, but I'm excited to meet my son, um, and to see him and to see how he's doing. Um, I had my 21 week ultrasound two weeks ago. Yeah. In July, July 20th. And little guy is, looks great. According to my doctor and the sonographer, he looks great. He has all of its organs. Um, his little feet are so cute. I know everyone's like, oh, this is so cute. But his little feet are adorable. And his, um, it's just crazy. Because I'm like looking at him and I just get in there. I'm smiling like an idiot the entire time. as she's walking us back there and like doing the whole entire ultrasound. Because that's your 20-week anatomy scan. It's like the big, the longest scan. Because they want to look at all the organs, all the body parts, and look at your placenta as well. So everything came out fine, but it was just like, I last time I saw him, he was eight weeks old. So he was like the size of a gummy bear, and he was just had like his little tad. He looked like a tadpole. That's basically what they look at that age. And so they have a little arm and hand webbed thing developing, and the same thing with feet and legs. And now at twenty one weeks, like you can see everything, and so. She's like, wow, he's measuring a bit ahead as of right now. He, he's probably about a little over a pound. And it's just, and then I like saw him. And I saw his little nose and his mouth and his face. And saw him trying to find, like, she paused. And she's like, oh, I think you have, may have a thumb sucker on your hand. Because he was trying to find his mouth and put his fingers in his mouth. Um, and, it, and did it multiple times. And I was just in complete awe of him. Um, and it was so, 
It was so beautiful. I am such a crybaby, guys. It is so it was so beautiful to like see him. And because I like I said, I've been very anxious and that I'm doing something wrong, especially as somebody who likes to do things right. Um and if you've never been pregnant, like he won't get it, but um you everyone's like, Oh, are you feeling the baby kick? I'm like, you really don't feel your child kick unless you've had multiple kids already and you know what it feels like at like week thirteen or fourteen. You don't really feel your kick kick until about week 23, 22. Like, it's clear that that's what your child is versus gas or digestion issues. Um, and so I had a lot of anxiety and feelings of emotions um, and being fearful that I was doing something wrong in my first trimester heading into the second because I wasn't feeling my child. And then I dealt with gender disappointment um, for a period of time. And it was very short lived. It was like two days. But I, guys, if you would have asked me, oh, no, what do you think you're having? I would have been like, without shadow of doubt, a girl. Like, I'm having a girl. Like, that is, like, there was no question. You could have put a gun to my head and I wouldn't have told you girl so confidently. <laughs> and I would have been dead. But I would have told you girl so confidently and it would have been so wrong. <laughs> and so when we got the test results, Funnily enough, I went and just got the sneak peek gender reveal. We paid for that. We were going to do the non-invasive prenatal test. I need to see how much my insurance will cover first. It was just taking them a while to give me the codes. So we just went ahead and said, let's just do the sneak peek. Sneak peek promises 100% accurate results. And if not, once your child is born, you'll get a full refund. So I just went up to any lab test now. It's like a four-minute drive for me. Went that morning right before work and did my results and like a day or two later they emailed me saying they got the results and then that no a day later they emailed me saying they got the results and then that evening the results had already been tested and sent back to me so i was in the gym i saw we got the results i texted my um man i was like hey we got the results let's look at them together tonight he's like cool 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 i for whatever reason i'm such an idiot like in the sync peak test results it will say um they have a video that you can play and it will be like count it'll say congratulations you're having a and it counts down for like five boy or girl so i didn't watch the video because i already knew that was uh going to do that um to know my um boyfriend's sister um did it for her um daughter that's what her daughter decided to do and so she already told me like hey like you're gonna get a video via email she's like don't watch the video and so I was like, okay, cool. And so I watch, I don't watch the video. I, for some reason, it says um, for more information or something. I thought it was going to, I don't know what I thought it was going to say at the rest of the email. I scroll down and I see X, Y, result boy. And so I found out before <laughs> I was supposed to find out. And I went to my session with my trainer because I was at the gym. She's like, do you know what you're having? I said, it's a boy. And like, I was not very happy. I'll be very honest. Um, I just, I'd, I think growing up, like when you're a young woman, you're like, oh, I want my firstborn to be this and this. And it's not that I didn't know there was a possibility that I could have a boy or that I would hate having a son. That's not it at all. I just had this vision in my head that like I was having a daughter. This is, I can't wait to have this relationship with my daughter. I was thinking, you know, barrettes and bows and braids and, and 
you know, growing as a woman as she grows as a young um, into a young lady and really having that beautiful relationship with my daughter. Um, and the things I wanted to teach her, like I already knew what I wanted to like instill in my daughter, but I didn't know that in a son. And so it threw me off um, to find out I was having a boy. Um, and I, <laughs> I'll be honest, like I think for me, my gender disappointment was like the unmet, ex- not unmet expectations, but like the realization that you know, I'm going to have to learn something else. Um, um, what I planned on or what I dreamed about and not the sense of, like, the vanity things, but, like, the type of mom I wanted to be to a daughter is going to have to pivot. And I dealt with gender disappointment for about two or three days. I'm not going to sit here for your life. And, yes, I did cry a bit. I'm not going to lie to you guys. Um, but I did get over it. Um and I'm so excited to have this little guy um, and to be his mom and to see him grow up into a, a great man one day. I know it's going to be a lot of work to raise him. <laughs> Boys are rambunctious. Kids are a lot of work anyway, boy or girl, but in different ways. But all that to say, that is basically how I found out I was pregnant and how I found out I was having a son. Um, I'm having a son. Um, but I'm super excited and I think I'm working slowly through the anxiety of everything, the anxiousness, the uncertainty, and allow knowing that uncertainty isn't a bad thing. It's not something to solve all the time. And I'm working through not telling, like, be more honest in how I feel with people when I'm going through. But I'm also working through that I don't need everyone's approval on everything. And, like, that comes down to my birth. So, I think I'm just, I'm learning a lot of lessons. And I think my son is a catalyst of a lot of lessons um, and change in my life that needed to happen. And... That was divinely, you know, placed in my life to happen this year. Um, Yes, I have decided, we have decided on a name. We will not be sharing it until, I likely will not share it on the podcast until after he's born. Um, But I am, I am excited to go on the journey of motherhood and all it has to teach me and being humble in that um, journey. I think one of the things that's really hard for people, I will say, like, for women in our generation, you know, like, the in-between millennial and Gen Z, like, you know, the kid, people born between, like, 93 and 98, it's just, like, this expectation for you to have everything together, everything figured out, constantly accomplishing, and when you falter or something doesn't go to plan or you have to change course or redirect not taking things as if you have completely failed. Not taking things as if life is over. Um, life, this is so corny, but like, like life, like any book, has commas and dashes and punctuations that give space for something else to another part of the story to continue. Um, and so I'm excited to head into motherhood. I am not one of those people who subscribes to the idea that once you're a mom, you everything about you is a mom. Um, like, it's easy to fall into that, and I can definitely get how that happens. 
And to some degree, it's needed. Like, you do really need to dedicate your time to your child for, like, a few years. Like, that's your main priority. Child is your main priority for your entire life once you become a parent. Um, Obviously, it lessens the degree as your child gets older and is more self-sufficient. But I don't want to lose myself in motherhood. But at the same time, I do want to allow myself to surrender to motherhood. Um... And allow it to change me and be okay with those changes. But also still be me, but a different version. And I'm trying to accept the various versions of me that um, I've been through and will continue to go through. Because we all go through a different version of ourselves. Um, but all this to say, I appreciate you guys listening to me, listening to me ramble and cry and talk about life and lessons I'm learning, talk about being pregnant, um, which I will probably have some motherhood and pregnancy content, but not a ton, um, right now, because I don't know what I'm talking about, like, I really don't, (laughs) please don't, it's okay to not, I think something we have got to learn as people is okay to be quiet, it's okay to be quiet, it's okay to just learn sometimes and be quiet, you don't have to regurgitate everything you've learned or, post about it or say something about it it's okay to know information or to not know information and be okay with that um and just be a student so I think right now motherhood is teaching me to be patient to be flexible to let go of the idea of perfection and to be a student and to learn my child and to really surrender above all else um and that's a um mindset I'm taking into childbirth is to surrender to what childbirth is it's it's the act of, like, obviously getting your child earthside, but it's the act of relinquishing control and allowing and to go with pain instead of against it. Um, and that the rewards sometimes require sacrifice and pain. Um, so that's where I'm at. I probably will have another podcast episode solo before I give birth. I am due towards the end of November maybe early December, whenever he decides to come. Please pray that I don't have a Thanksgiving Day baby. I don't want one. Uh, (laughs) I don't want one. I don't want to be in the hospital Thanksgiving Day. I'm so sorry. I don't want to be in labor Thanksgiving Day. So sorry. I don't want a holiday baby. I know Fourth of July babies. I know Christmas Day babies, Christmas Eve babies. I don't want a holiday baby. Sorry. Um, I love y'all, but no. But all that to say, I thank you guys for listening to me. Thank you for tuning in. Please follow us on Instagram at stateofus underscore pod. We'll have some more content coming out and some more episodes. And catch Lauren and I will be recording next weekend. And catch our next episode on that following Wednesday. Have a great one.